0: Good evening. Good to see you tonight here in person. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us uh, online. You can find us there on Facebook and Twitter at HBC Tullahoma on Highland Baptist. Yeah, I was trying to make sure I saw a picture there and I was like, they're mixed up, but they're not Uh, at Highland Baptist Tullahoma on YouTube there. So find us on any one of those heart like subscribe, give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Uh, That way you'll be able to follow us every time we go live. And also when you heart like uh, share those, it'll let others know uh, that we're having service and you can be able to share that with them. It's just kind of like a last invite uh, as you come to church. Uh, And then also don't forget our phone live streaming. Uh, there also. I also want to remind you, you can go to our church website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can go and download our worship bulletin there. Uh, It has upcoming events that are coming up throughout the week, some important announcements that you need to make sure to know of, and then also you can download in that same uh, tab the children's worship bulletins that went along with this morning's uh, sermon, as well as you can download the prayer list there and the church newsletter that comes out once a month. So just wanted to remind you of that. You can go to the far right-hand side while you're there also and do your online giving. If you're here in person, you can do that at the offering plates here or at the back in the front as you leave uh, tonight. So you can drop those off at the church anytime during our business hours, or you can uh, mail those to us at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 373 So just wanted to make you aware of those and remind you of those again. Glad to have you with us tonight. Looking forward to getting again into the study of the life of Jesus. If you still have not gotten one of those books, we do still have some that are left. Please let us know that. Send us an email to highlandbaptistalahoma at gmail.com or highlandbaptist.cafes.net or just comment there and we'll get back with you to find out your address so we can send that to you. But it's a great resource for you to have as we're going through this study. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us.
1: Okay, good evening. You all please sing with me tonight, because this is one that I don't know that I've ever, I know I've never tried to lead it and and not sang it very many times in my life anyway, but maybe you have. So I'd love to hear you try it. The song is hymn 322, and
0: uh, it's Ye Must Be Born Again. So let's, I want to hear you, because I'm going to flub it, I'm sure, but I want y'all to sing too. <laughs> This goes the fat. and really good. Thank you. Thank you for picking that one. I've sang that one many, many times uh, growing up in church, um, growing up in a little small country church in Florida. Take your Bibles this morning, and or this evening, not this morning, uh, and turn to John chapter 3. And verse 1 through verse 21, you may be thinking, well, you skipped some verses. And we did. We're going to come back to those at another time uh, when we look at uh, at another passage where uh, Jesus comes into the temple and cleanses the temple. And so we're kind of trying to, we'll even be flipping back and forth between uh, several different uh, books of the Gospels uh, to kind of try to follow as best we can and what we know uh, from the life of Jesus in a chronological uh, manner. And so we'll be coming back to that particular passage uh, that we'll see there. But we were going to pick up here uh, in kind chron- of a chronological order here when Jesus meet- meets this man uh, that we're going to learn about named Nicodemus. And I've entitled the message this evening, A Brand New Start. And who wouldn't like to have a brand new start uh, in life and sometimes a new start this week or a new start this day? Uh, So let's stand as we read God's word uh, in honor of his word, and we're going to begin with verses 1 down through verse 4. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. And indeed, as we just sang, and as we just heard from the very words of Jesus, we must be born again. But many of us have the same questions that Nicodemus had. How can that be? Uh, How can we, be born again. And so Father, I pray that you will help us to see tonight how we can have a brand new start in our lives. And Father, I pray that you will use this message to speak to those especially who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, but also to those who us, of us who are saved. Use it to encourage us, Lord, and to remind us of our salvation experience that, that we might be able to share Uh, with others, these illustrations that we're going to see that Jesus uses to describe what the new birth uh, in Christ is like. So bless your word and bless this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You be seated. So I want to talk to you tonight, as I mentioned a while ago, about how to have a brand new start. And I guess everybody at one time or another has had the desire uh, to begin again. You think about if I knew in school, in my school days, what I knew now, I probably would want to start over so I could do better, I could study better, I could study harder uh, so I could get better grades. Some look at their careers, and they would like to have done things maybe a different way and made some different choices. Maybe sometimes you wish that when it came to your career, you could make a brand new start. Uh, there are sometimes husbands and wives who, uh, who you look at your marriage and maybe the mistakes you made and you look back on your marriage and you say that it, it would really be wonderful if I could go back to that wedding day and from that day just start all over again and not make the same mistakes that I made uh, in, in my marriage before. And, and so that's kind of what I want to talk to you tonight uh, about is how is it possible for a person to begin again, how a person can have a brand new start. And I want us to hear again from the words of Jesus here. Uh, as, as he uh, had this experience, this conversation, uh, we're going to kind of listen in on Jesus here as he has this conversation one night with a man named Nicodemus. And the Bible tells us a few things about Nicodemus. Uh, in these first verses that we just read, it tells us that he was a Pharisee. Uh, he was a ruler of the Jews. We know this from, from this passage and from other sources that Nicodemus was several things. We know that he was a very wealthy individual. Uh, there is word that he was one of the three richest men in all the city uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, tradition says that uh, Nicodemus was, uh, in essence, the scientist in the city who devised the water system uh, for the city of Jerusalem. We know he was also a high profile uh, individual. He was recognizable uh, in the community. You kind of have this feeling that maybe he was often in the news. He was a man who was seen and he was noticed everywhere. And, and there are advantages and there are also disadvantages of being a, a high profile person. But Nicodemus was a high profile individual. We also know that he was a very religious man. Uh, On Saturday morning, you could see him getting up with his family together, and and here they would roll up to the synagogue, and and they would come in as a family together. And so we know those things about Nicodemus. But I want you to see in this conversation from Nicodemus that uh, in the questions that he's asking and and remembering that about his background, uh, these things that Jesus wants us to see about beginning again, about the new birth in Christ. First of all, we want to see the mystery of it, the mystery of it. So this man, Nicodemus, came to the Lord Jesus one night. The Bible says he's very complimentary to the Lord. He starts off with the title of respect. So look back at verse 1 and verse 2. There was this man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So remember, he's of high social standing. Uh, He's a ruler of the Jews, not just a common ordinary uh, person. Uh, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi. Uh, We know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he recognizes the fact that Jesus is no ordinary teacher, but that he was a teacher who had been sent by God. And then we read in verse 3 what Jesus says. Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see. The kingdom of God. Uh, and, and what we saw in, in the rest of verse 2 there, he understood uh, that Jesus wasn't doing some, some hocus pocus, he was doing uh, the real thing. Actual miracles were occurring uh, that we see that, that Nicodemus knows about. Uh, those miracles had to have their source in God and so he comes to Jesus and he's very complimentary to him Uh, and and what Jesus says in response to him as we just read there in verse 3 is really breathtaking because Jesus looks at this kind of man and says to him you must be born again does that sound familiar to you what do we mean when we talk about being born again Some think that it means just to try harder to do better, uh, to turn over a new leaf, if you will, uh, that you kind of reform yourselves a little. Well, Reformation isn't what Jesus is talking about here. Reformation is putting a new suit on a man. Being born again is getting a new man into the suit. Uh, It's something that takes place on the inside that changes the outside. Other people get the idea that when Jesus talked about being born again, he was talking about something maybe like reincarnation. Uh, There are some people who believe in reincarnation. They believe that when you die, you'll come back as an insect or you'll come back as an animal. And if if you're really, really good in a few thousand years, you might come back as another person. And Jesus, what we see here, he's not talking here about some kind of reincarnation, some kind of cycle of life. Jesus is talking about an experience that makes it possible for us to go to heaven when we die, to be a member of the family of God and to get that brand new start in our life. And so there are many people in this world who would probably like to have Uh, that kind of brand new start uh, in their life, who would like to have that kind of experience. And that's what Jesus is talking about as we listen in on this conversation as he talks about being born again. Jesus talks in terms of you must be born again. He doesn't say maybe you should do this or it's a good idea if you wanted to do this. He says you must be born again. Uh, When you look down to verse seven, Verse 7 uses that word again, and he says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So why did Jesus say that it's absolutely essential that you be born again? Why did Jesus say you have to be born again? Well, let's take another look at Nicodemus, uh, because it's hard for us to imagine that any man like Nicodemus would need anything. I mean, here's a man who, who, as far as the world is concerned, he has it all. He's a Jewish leader. He's a Jewish ruler. And yet to this kind of man, Jesus says to him, you must be born again. And I think the reason that Jesus said that is because riches are not the thing that really make it possible for you to go to heaven. I mean, you could be a wealthy individual, you could have a six-figure income, uh, but Jesus says you must be born again. You may live in a house so big you have to have a golf cart to drive around it, but Jesus says you must be born again. You could buy all your clothes at, at the most exclusive shops, and yet Jesus says unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter if you live in a mansion or if you live in a simple house, there are sinners who live in both that need to be born again. Being a higher profile person won't get you into heaven either. Finances and riches won't, neither will the uh, high profile. Here was a man who was well known. Uh, In fact, I have a feeling when Nicodemus showed up in places, uh, mothers would point him out and say to their little children, look, look, there goes Nicodemus. He's big time in this town. You ought to grow up to be like Nicodemus. Uh, You know, Celebrity and, and athletic status and political notoriety and whatever it may be, none of it really counts when it comes to spiritual matters. Because Jesus says everybody has to be born again. What about his religion, though? I mean, he was a very religious man. Won't that do the job? Won't that get him into heaven? I mean, he was at the synagogue every time the doors were open. Nicodemus was a religious leader. And yet to this religious leader, Jesus says to him, you must be born again. You know, that's important because... uh, Just the fact that I'm a preacher uh, doesn't mean that I'm going to get into heaven. You think the fact that you're a member of Highland Baptist Church is going to get you into heaven. You may have been baptized in the baptistry. Uh, Do you think that's going to cut it with with the Lord? The Bible says it's not church membership that, that punches your ticket. It's not being baptized that gets the job done. Jesus says you must be born again. I didn't say that. So if you have a problem with what I'm saying, you have a problem with what Jesus is saying. Why did Jesus say that? Well, the reason is found over in Romans chapter 3 and verse 22 and verse 23, where it says there is no distinction. So it doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what social status you are. doesn't matter how much money you have, uh, whatever. He says there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That verse teaches us that every one of us from the president and kings and queens on down are born with a sin nature. And nobody has to teach you to do wrong. I mean, you come into this world knowing how to do wrong. You don't have to take your children uh, over to the school and say, all right, teacher, I brought my kids over here and I want you to teach them how to tell lies and how to lose their temper. (laughs) You don't have to do that. They already know how to do that. The Bible says we are sinners by nature. We all come into this world knowing how to do wrong. And the reason we need to be born again, born the second time, is because we were born wrong the first time. We were born into sin the first time. We are sinners by nature. And we have a sinful nature. And so Jesus says, you must be born again. So it's because of our natural condition. I think Jesus said you have to be born again because also of the nature of heaven. Jesus says if you're not born again, you can't even see, much less enter, the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is prepared for a, for a people that are prepared. You wouldn't fit in if you went to heaven apart from being born again. You have to have a change in your nature. You have to have something happen that makes you heavenly in nature. You can't get into heaven until, first of all, heaven has gotten into you. And it has to be. That change of your nature. You'll never uh, see a fish flying uh, in the air. You'll never see birds swimming uh, in the water. It's contrary to their nature. You'll never see uh, a pig lecturing on astronomy. Uh, It's contrary to its nature. You'll never see a group of monkeys singing uh, the hallelujah chorus. It's contrary to their nature. And, And yet Jesus says you must be born again. It's not optional. It's not a hint. It's not a suggestion. It's an absolute Necessity. So the question for us to begin with is, have I been born again? Doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher, doesn't matter if you're a deacon, doesn't matter if you're, uh, you're a pastor or a pastor's wife or whoever you are, have you been born again? Have you had that experience in your life where you realized you were a sinner and you invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life? By faith, you asked Jesus to come in. If you have, then the Bible says that you have been born again. But if you haven't had that experience, you haven't been born again. And Jesus says you must be born again. So here's Nicodemus. Religious leader. He knows the Old Testament backwards and forwards. And by the time Jesus has said this to him, you can just imagine the puzzled look on Nicodemus's face. He's scratching his head. And the first word that pops out of his mouth is found there in verse 4, where he says to Jesus, How? How? I don't get what you're saying. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, I think he was thrilled with the possibility. I think he realized the need. I think there are many uh, who, who uh, the very thought of a brand new start, the very thought of having a brand new life is appealing to them. But now you're asking and raising a question just like Nicodemus. How? How? How can a man be born when he's old? Now Nicodemus knows at this point he's in the presence of a mystery. Because when we talk about being born again, we're talking about eternal things. We're talking about spiritual things, about God things. We're talking about things that have to do with God and eternal life. And so Jesus begins to explain being born again using four different illustrations. And I want you to see each one of those. Because even as believers, this is a a, a great tool for us to use when we're sharing with others about our faith in Christ. To help them to see what your new birth is like. First of all, he says, it's like a birth, uh, like a physical birth. And so we see this in verse 5. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom uh, of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be Born again. So we see here one of the illustrations that he uses here is being, about being born again is like a physical birth. And that's what he's talking about in verse 5 and verse 6 where he says you have to be born of water and the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the physical birth. And that which is born of the spirit is, spirit, is the spiritual birth. And he's saying that being born again is like a physical birth. A physical birth produces life. When a baby is born, then life is born. The Bible says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So when you come to the Lord Jesus and you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are born again, you receive spiritual life. You're now in the family of God. Birth produces life. Birth is something also that only happens one time. It's never repeated. I mean, if you were to ask some if they've been saved, and you may have heard this uh, before, they'll they'll say, yeah, I've been saved. I've been saved a lot of times, almost 100 times. I'm jam up and jelly tight. (laughs) I've been saved over and over and over. They missed the point, didn't they? Jesus didn't say, you have to be born again and again and again and again and again. Think about this. When the census takers uh, come or they send that information to you to fill out, they don't say to you, how many times have you been born? They say, what's the date of your birth? When were you born? Because they know it only happened one time. That's what we see in the scriptures. The spiritual birth only happens one time. Uh, there, there's Has there been that definite time in your life uh, when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? It's an experience that happens once and it never uh, again is repeated. Something else about being born. When you're born, you don't have any past. You only have a future. Think about that. You only have a future. That's a wonderful thing because... You, would if you would like to have that kind of experience so that all your past could be forgiven never held against you anymore Uh, we think about that wouldn't we like to have that new beginning a brand new start jesus said it can happen for you if you've never had that experience and so just like a birth you can be born and you have no past only a future the same is true spiritually Something else about birth, when birth occurs, somebody has to suffer. The the mother suffers as she's giving birth. And all of us uh, here tonight and those of you watching, uh, you had a mother who was willing to suffer. When you were born physically, uh, your mother went and walked literally through the, through the very sh- valley of the shadow of death. They say that, that pregnancy and giving birth is, is the closest uh, that you get to death there in order to give you physical life and, and the existence that you have right now. 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ went on that cross on Calvary, and on that cross, Jesus died. And when Jesus died and suffered like he did, he was paying the price once for all for our sins, that we might be born again. It's like a physical birth. He also says it's like the wind. Going down to verse 8, it's like the wind. He wants Nicodemus to understand this. So he's using some physical illustrations that Nicodemus would be able to connect to and understand. And so he says in verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes. You understand that, don't you, Nicodemus? You're kind of a scientist guy. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, So here he's talking about being born again in terms of the wind blowing. It was pro- it was at night as we read here. It's a, a familiar with, if you're familiar with the Middle Eastern temperatures, uh, the, the wind would blow through uh, those areas. Nicodemus, you could just see him. He's experiencing that warm breeze as it's blowing across his face, that, that desert climate that's there. And, and he could hear that Jerusalem wind as it's, as it's hopping and skipping down those streets of Jerusalem. And it's as if Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, do you hear that? that wind blowing? Nicodemus, do you feel that breeze on your cheek? Being born again is just like that wind. There's a mystery to the wind, Jesus says. We don't understand a lot about it. I mean, we have meteorologists, we have weather people who try to help us a little. Did you hear about the weatherman who left town for health reasons? The weather didn't agree with him. There's a lot of people like that. They do their best And it's hard to predict the wind. I heard about the guy who was standing on the corner one day with a rope, and somebody came up to him and said, What do you have there? And he said, That's a weather gauge. He said, If it's swinging, the wind's blowing. He said, If it's wet, it's raining. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's just like that with the weather. Uh, we, We do all we can to try to predict the weather, but that's all we can do. Jesus said that's exactly what it means to be born again. It's like the breeze. You can't see the breeze. You, you you can't tie a rope to the breeze. You can't catch the breeze in a basket. You can't lock the breeze up in a, in a box, but you see the effects of it. You see the results of the wind. When a storm blows through and, and trees are uprooted and, and signs are torn down and cars are turned over, you can see the powerful effects of the wind. And Jesus says that's exactly the way it is with being born again. When a person is born again, you see the change in their life. If you don't see the change in their life, you have to question, not saying the person wasn't saved, but that ought to be a question that you're asking yourself. Did I truly believe? Did I truly repent? Did I truly trust in Jesus as my Lord and savior? Because Jesus says there's going to be some evidence left behind. Just like when the wind comes through and, and, and topples things. When a person's born again, you can see the change in their life. And it starts on the inside, but it gets to the outside. Being born again can take all the hate out of your heart and put love there. It can take all of the arrogance and all of the pride out of your heart and put humility there. It can take all of the lying out of your mouth and out of your heart and put truth telling in there. It can take that empty hole in your heart. It can take the hurt out of your heart. It's a mystery, but it's something God does in your heart and in your life. And so don't let the mystery of it cause you to miss it. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't fully understand exactly uh, how it all works. I mean, think about electricity. Uh, I don't know exactly how that electrical current uh, goes through those electrical wires and comes into this building to light these lights, uh, even in here. Uh, but I'm glad that we have electricity, and I'm glad that we have lights. And, and I just try to keep from putting my finger in there to, to get electrocuted. I don't like messing with electricity. I don't understand exactly how it is uh, that a cow eats grass and, and produces milk that can be, and cream that can be made into yellow butter and white milk. Uh, just because you can't understand it, though, doesn't make it not real. You don't have to understand all of it in order to experience it and to enjoy it. That's part of the mystery of it. But I want you to see the means of it also. That's the second point, the mystery of it and the means of it. We see this in verse 9 through the end of this section. So verse 9 through verse 13, notice what the scripture says. So Jesus has told him already uh, that it's like birth, physical birth. He says it's like the wind that blows. Those are two illustrations he's given. And so Nicodemus says to him, again, how? How can these things be? It's kind of like the little child that's always asking, why, why? Why? Here's Nicodemus saying, how, 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 how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? Like you're a religious leader. You know, the scriptures, you know, the old Testament, you're teaching others. And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, what's the earthly things he's told him? He's told him about physical birth. He's told him about the wind. He says, if you can't understand those earthly illustrations, how can you believe it if I tell you about heavenly things? He says, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He's talking about Himself. And so Nicodemus is really interested at this point. In fact, he's so interested that he says, how How can these things be? He's wanting to know, how can this happen to me? How can I have this brand new start? How can this experience be mine? And Jesus tells him uh, about the means of it. He, he says, not only was it like the physical birth, not only was it like the wind. He says, it's like the serpent on the pole. We're scratching our head again thinking, huh, what in the world is he talking about? How can a person be born again? So look at verse 14. Jesus now is appealing to his religious. He's a very religious man. He studied the Old Testament. Surely he knows the scripture. So he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So how can a person be born again? Jesus says, well, it's like the serpent on the pole. Jesus uses this Old Testament illustration uh, of the serpent on the pole with Moses to explain to Nicodemus what this new start, what this new birth is like. Uh, So take your Bibles and turn back, if you will, to Numbers chapter 21. I want you to see the story here uh, of what happened uh, in these verses. Numbers chapter 21, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, third book of the Old Testament. Start from the beginning, go three books. Genesis, Exodus, actually four books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So here's what it says in verse 4 through verse 9 of Numbers 21. Certainly familiar to Nicodemus. He says, from Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God. There was sin. And against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. What's the worthless food they're talking about? Manna. They're saying, we're tired of this manna. I mean, think about it. God has been providing for them for days after days after days, providing for them manna that's coming from heaven, and they say, get out of here. We don't want that no more. You're pushing aside the gift that God is giving to you. It's worthless food, they said. And so notice what happens in verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of Israel died. And the people came to Moses, and what did they say? We've sinned. Boy, we have messed it up. We have sinned against God, against the Lord, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Please, Moses, pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And notice what happens here. The Lord says to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So remember, these serpents that bit these people, they were venomous. These were serpents that would kill you. And so he says, Everyone who's been bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he could look at the bronze serpent, and live. So this would have been a story that would have been very familiar to Nicodemus. Why? Because it's in the first five books of the Bible. If you were a Jewish leader, if there was any part of the Old Testament, you had to know it was these first five books of the Bible. You had to know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, You might not know all the rest of it in detail, but you had to know those. Uh, in particular. Every child was taught uh, these books as they were growing up. So this would have been a familiar story for for Nicodemus here. It's a story of sin because the nation of Israel rebelled against God and they had to be punished because of their sin. So God sent those fiery serpents that bit the people and so many died. But it's also a story of grace because Moses intercedes for the people And God provides a remedy. We saw there that he tells Moses to make this brass serpent, lift it up on a pole so that it will be high up for everyone to see. And any person who's been bitten by one of those serpents, if they'll look at that brass serpent, uh, they would immediately be healed. And so it's also a story of faith. Because when they looked by faith, they were saved by faith. So just imagine, here they were as good as dead because these snakes had bit them. They were without hope, but God made a way where there seemed to be no way. He gave them the opportunity for a brand new start, a, a new start in life because they were dead. They were gonna die if they, if they didn't have some remedy, some, some intervention here from God. Now the verb there, lifted up, has a dual meaning. It means to be crucified and to be glorified and exalted. In his gospel, John points out that our Lord's crucifixion was actually the means of his glorification. In other words, the cross wasn't the end of his glory, it was the means of his glory. And so notice that word again that we saw back in John chapter 3. That word must again, he uses that word must to Nicodemus, you must be born again. What he's saying is, is that the son of man must be lifted up. He's saying in order for you and for me to be born again, there's something that we have to do. You know what that is, what he just said here in the Old Testament. They had to do what we have to do. Jesus had to be lifted up on that cross. And when Jesus was lifted on that cross, uh, the Bible says, the Lord laid on him all the iniquity of all of us. Uh, the Bible says in that moment, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Jesus did his part on the cross. He's already died for all of your sin every bad thing you've ever done, every ugly word that you've ever said, every evil thought that you've ever had, every bad thing you've ever done or or you ever will do, Jesus died for all of that on the cross of Calvary. That's his part. But just like that serpent was lifted up on the pole, so the Son of God had to be lifted up on the cross. Why? To save us from sin And death. You get the picture there? The Bible says that in our sins, we are what? Dead. In our trespass and sin, we are dead. We're just as good as dead as those people who had been bitten by the serpent. And so when Jesus is lifted up on the cross, he's lifted up on the cross to save us from sin and death. In the camp of Israel, the solution to the serpent problem wasn't in killing all the serpents. It wasn't in making some medicine. It wasn't in, oh, oh, just pretend that there aren't any serpents here or or trying to pass any kind of anti-serpent laws or climbing the pole. The answer was in looking by faith at the uplifted serpent. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. Then here's what he talks about your part. So that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, verse 15. Verse 16 says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but, then, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Jesus is saying... I've done my part. Now your part is simply to believe in him, to believe in him as the Savior, and you will not perish, but you'll have eternal life. Doesn't that give you a little bit different perspective when you hear John 3.16 in light of that story from Numbers when the serpents lifted up on the pole that Jesus had to be lifted up for us to be drawn to him, and he says, I gave you the remedy for your greatest problem of sin. Jesus who was lifted up on the cross that anybody who looks to him could be saved it's just as simple as taking a gift because think about this the whole world has been bitten by the serpent of sin the bible says in Romans 6 23 that the wages of sin is death you're going to die without Christ God sent his son to die not only for Israel but for the whole world How is a portion person born from above how are we saved from eternal perishing by looking on Jesus Christ by looking on him in faith let me tell you a little story it happened in January the 6 1850 a snowstorm that had crippled the city of Colchester England And there was this teenage boy who was unable to get to church, to the church that he usually attended. So he made his way to a nearby primitive Methodist chapel. And there was a a, a layman who was there. He wasn't very prepared. Uh, He was substituting for the absent preacher. And his text that he was preaching on was from Isaiah 45, 22 that says, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For many months, this young teenager had been miserable. He had been under deep conviction. But even though he had been raised in church, both his father and his grandfather were preachers. He didn't have that assurance of salvation. And this unprepared substitute minister, he didn't have much to say, so he kept repeating the text A man need not go to to college to learn to look, he shouted. Anyone can look, he said. A child can look. And about that time, he saw the visitor, saw that young boy sitting on one side, and he, he pointed at him and he said, Young man, he said, you look very miserable. Young man, look to Jesus Christ. And that young man did look by faith and became the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was converted. The difference between perishing and living and between condemnation and salvation is looking by faith to Jesus Christ. Jesus could have easily come to this world as a judge and destroyed every one of us and been justified in doing it because we were rebellious sinners. But in love, he came to this world as our Savior. And he died for us on the cross. He became the uplifted serpent. He became uh, the, the serpent in Moses' day, brought physical life to dying Jews. But Jesus brought eternal life to anybody who would trust in him. He has salvation for the whole world. But then Jesus doesn't stop there. He gives him one more illustration. He says this new start, this uh, this." Being born again is like light and darkness. It's like the light and darkness. Notice verse 19 down through verse 21. Verse 19 says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light. Now when he says the light is coming into the world, who is he talking about? He's talking about himself. He's talking about the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. So Jesus says, The light came into the world. The people loved though, the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in god this is one of the major images used in all of the gospel why will sinners not come to the light of life because they love the darkness they want to persist in their evil deeds and and that keeps them from from coming to the light because the closer that a sinner gets to the light the more their sins are exposed And that even happens for us as a believer because sometimes we drift away from the Lord. We drift away from him who is the light. And the farther we get from the light, the more we're in sin. And the closer we get to the light, the more it exposes our sin. And we don't like that. Because think about this. It's not intellectual problems that keep people from trusting Christ. It's the moral and spiritual blindness that keeps us from loving, that keeps us loving the darkness and hating the light. So, so notice here that Nicodemus did finally come to the light. He, here he was in the midnight of confusion, if you will, but eventually he came out into the sunlight of confession when he identified with Jesus at the cross of Calvary because he was one of those who helped to take the body down of Jesus to bury it, him and Joseph of Arimathea. He realized that the uplifted Savior was indeed the son of god there's one more story i want to share with you it's about ty cobb if you remember ty cobb he was from georgia he played 3033 baseball games he had a lifetime batting average of 0.367 it's not bad ty cobb uh, came down to the end of his life though and he didn't know jesus as a savior And so one day this preacher came to him and witnessed to him, and he he told him about the Lord and how he could be saved. And, And Ty Cobb looked at this preacher, and here's what he said. He said, Preacher, are you telling me that a deathbed repentance can do away with a whole lifetime of sin? And the preacher said, No, but I'm telling you that the blood of Jesus can. Ty Cobb, that night, received Jesus as his Savior. And as that preacher was leaving, he called out to the preacher, and he told the preacher this. He said, Preacher, tell all my friends that I'm sorry that I did this in the bottom of the ninth. I should have done it in the top of the first. If you're here tonight, and you're watching online, and you don't know Christ, don't wait till you're on your deathbed to cry out to God. Do it today. If you're a believer, don't wait to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. You already have here from Jesus four illustrations to share what the new birth is like. It's like physical birth. It's like the wind. It's like the serpent that's lifted up on the pole. Now, a lost person may not understand that, but if you're talking to somebody who grew up in church, who maybe knows those stories about the Bible, you can use the Bible to share with those individuals about the good news of the gospel message. And then he says uh, that, that it's, it's, it's not only uh, like that and like the serpent that's on the pole. Uh, he says it's also like the light and the darkness. And who can't understand that? Some people, we know, their heart is beating a funeral march to their grave. In fact, the truth of the matter is that all of our hearts are beating a funeral march to the grave. Think about this. If your heart is beating at an average rate of 75 beats per minute for 75 years, your heart would beat almost 3 billion times. That's a lot. Have you ever thought about how often your heart beats? It beats and it beats and it beats and it beats over 3 billion times in 75 years, and it's beating and beating and beating. But that heart of yours is moving forward toward the future. And one of these days... It's going to take its last beat. And it'll be the last time. And all that will matter in this world is have you been born again? What did you do with Jesus? What did we as believers do with Jesus? You've received the greatest gift that you could ever receive as a believer. Don't hesitate to tell others about the grace and the good news that you've received the salvation for eternal life with jesus christ let's pray heavenly father thank you so much what a powerful illustration that you've given us here through nicodemus that if we're at that place like nicodemus and we're beginning to question things and we want to have that new start in life we want to have a new beginning Lord, I pray that you will help us to realize there is that opportunity for us tonight, that if we've never received Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we can call out to him by faith. Father, I pray for those of us who have done that. Lord, for far too long, many of us have not been sharing with others what has made such a difference in our lives. And Father, I pray that we would not let the excuse of, we don't know how to explain it. We don't know how to describe it. Because we've already been given four illustrations here from Jesus himself about how to describe salvation. So help us, Lord. Lord, we know we can't do it in and of ourselves. And we can't save the individuals anyway. We're just supposed to share with them. We're just supposed to tell them. So help us, Lord, to just tell them. To tell them that you love them so much, even in their sin, that you sent a remedy for their lives, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for their sin. And Father, I pray that we will use these illustrations to help others to understand whether they are, are, have never had any upbringing, never heard about Jesus from the Bible, that we would be able to use things like the physical birth or like the wind. Or maybe if they have grown up in church, maybe they've been coming to church and they've, they've heard the stories but they've never trusted by faith. That we would share the good news of the gospel message with them like you did with Nicodemus about the, the serpent that had to be lifted up. That Jesus had to be lifted up for our sins. Because all of us have been bitten by the serpent of sin and need salvation. And Father, help us to share with them about the light and the darkness. Father, I pray that you'll use our feeble words, even if we mess it up. Lord, help them to hear the things they need to hear. And Father, I pray that many souls will become saved because we were faithful to share this good news message. Lord, use us in a powerful way and bring those who are lost to faith in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, Whosoever Will, page 314, will you make your way and come as the Lord lays on your heart. If you're there online, just comment in the comments there and we'll get back to you about your decision tonight. We're so glad you joined us uh, tonight. I won't be here in person Wednesday night, but encourage you to come. Uh, we'll still have our singing. We will still will have the message. I'll have that uh, pre-recorded. We'll be hearing about uh, the church at Thyatira uh, there in Revelation uh, in chapter uh, two. Uh, and so, be sure to join us again as we continue our study through the through the. At this point, the seven churches uh, in the book of Revelation and then continuing on through the book of Revelation. But we look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. You have a blessed week. You stay safe and we'll see you then.